that people say, I think you're tripping too much when I just made a video talking about uh, some of the benefits of psilocybin. So I want it to be known that I haven't done psilocybin in you know half a year. And because last time it scared the hell out of me, mm -hmm. it, it beat me down to the ground, told me that I was an egotistical fraud and just basically told me to uh, take a take a break. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Your Mate Tom podcast. In this episode, I have a chat with the Quentin Experiment who has become quite popular in the psychonaut community. And I can see why. He's a very cool dude, very humble, he's got a good heart, and is also very articulate when it comes to explaining the psychedelic experience. And we went deep on this podcast, as you could imagine. So you can check out the timestamps in the description box below. Go support Quinton. I'll leave links. And yeah, you can check out more info in the description box. But yeah, if you're watching this on YouTube, then feel free to check us out on Spotify and iTunes as well. Give us a five-star rating if you're feeling generous enough. It really helps us out. And of course, if you've received any value from this content, check out patreon.com slash yourmatetom and consider becoming a monthly supporter. We are completely fan-funded by you guys. And what can I say except for thank you so much for helping us do what we do. We really appreciate it and especially our top patrons, which you can see on the screen now. You guys are legendary status. And also feel free to check out our website, yourmatetom.com, and sign up to our email list. Recently, well, not even recently, since I, I swear, since I've started this channel, I've had conflict with YouTube and a bit of issues here and there. Like, just the other day, I had a video removed, so, yeah. Go on my website. This will just be the best way to keep in direct contact, and... Uh, you can be in the loop with future retreats that come up and things like that. And yeah, we've got some good stuff. I'm not going to spam you. It's all good. All you have to do is give us your soul. I mean, email address. Email address, of course, email address. Enjoy the podcast. Leave a comment below and share it with your friends. And I'll catch you on the next video. Peace. I also want to give a shout out to my good friend Jason Stevenson who does awesome free guided meditations. Go check out the description box below, click the link and I'll see you on the other side. Doing good. I'm in a pretty like beautiful area so I'm not really too cooped up, you know. Yeah, where do you live? I've got all kinds of hikes. I live in like super northern Washington, so tons of waterfalls and hikes and just oh, ridiculously cool stuff. That's yeah, amazing. Man. I won't be drinking on the podcast, don't worry. <laughs> that's <laughs> sick, man. Like, uh, yeah, so how's the lockdown and stuff where you are at? Like, do they find you, the lockdown, they find you outside or? No, it's more like uh, a lot of advisories, but nobody's really forcing anybody to do much of anything. You kind of just get uh, socially shamed if you're out in public too much, which is, which is a good thing i think for the most part yeah yeah same here yeah i think it's like level two actually i'm pretty sure recently they did like a implemented a law where they can fine you like sixteen hundred dollars if you don't have a good excuse for being out <sighs> man yeah. i understand that it's just i wouldn't want to be the one to get hit with that sixteen hundred you know but on that that being said i think exercise is a valid excuse so mm -hmm. i guess i don't know how they're going to enforce that but 
Yeah, they can't keep us from the trails, man. I got to go on hikes and stuff still. Yeah, I won't yeah. talk. I won't touch anybody or talk to them, but you got to let me go outside, you know? Good for the immune system. Yeah, good for the soul. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think mm-hmm. a lot of people have the wrong idea in terms of like trying to avoid this thing instead of trying to build their immune system. And going out in nature yeah. is like perfect for that. I've always been a super dirty kid too. Yeah. Eating dirt and just sand and the worst <laughs> of the worst. <laughs> That's sick, man. So, how are you going with your channel and stuff? It's going pretty good. It's, it's booming, you probably looks like it. are like one of the most, you know, good people I can talk to about this because it's it almost feels like it manifests itself a bit. Like you're doing the work, you know, but it, the direction it goes kind of just kind of feels like it goes wherever it goes. I don't mm. really, <laughs> I can't say I have some grand uh, some grand vision here. You know, it kind of just happened. When did you start the channel? Uh, like last July. The end of last July. Okay, so pretty relatively yeah, It's recent. about nine months. Yeah, yeah. Have you found yourself like mm-hmm. changing your opinions already from what you've talked about in the past? or I mean, Have you yep, made any videos, definitely. for example, where you're like, oh, I don't know if I agree with that anymore. and You know what I mean? It's, yeah, it's more like minor nitpicks come up when I rewatch it and I would love to just go back and like almost debunk myself, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's good. Like... There is that that feeling of uh, permanence of putting out your old thoughts when you almost want to give them the uh, like the DLC update. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like yeah. old, yeah. It's like Windows ninety eight. Like, outdated. I promise, I don't still think that horribly. Yeah, yeah. Tell me <laughs> about it. Well, if you're, you're already thinking like that, nine months. I think I've been doing this for like five years, so it's quite cringy yeah. going back, and it's like, oh, you idiot. That's why now I so always much- I always come with that mindset of like just assume that everything i'm saying right now is wrong so just yeah give that disclaimer like i'm just still kind of figuring this out myself so don't take myself too seriously you know what i mean yeah one thing that's really freaky is how you kind of can already without any uh without deserving it whatsoever you can almost have an air of authority and i try to destroy that at every instance like i don't want this I don't know really all that much, <laughs> to be honest, you know? Yeah, it actually makes me think of like Terrence McKenna and all these guys. I'm sure even he was probably like, dude, don't take my words too seriously. I don't know shit. I'm just kind of figuring this thing out. I'm a human too, you know? Yeah, I'm really interested by McKenna because, you know, he was such a pioneer in that area. I wonder how mm. he tackled his ego, you know what I mean? Like he was giving these lectures and these talks to these groups of people and not a ton of other people that were on his frequency we're doing that you know so yeah, i wonder what his ego is like and he and i'm sure he didn't know unless he had some crazy psychic abilities that his lectures were going to reach millions and millions of people and get talked on the joe rogan podcast and you know that's us right now up, right? you know what i mean <laughs> yeah i haven't i know like maybe you don't uh, walk in a certain room because of this discussion and the entire timeline shifts yeah what are your thoughts on like how like his journey with psychedelics, as far as I know, he had a really difficult mushroom trip. And then since then, he didn't have like a heavy trip anymore. Yeah, I... Uh, Imagine I how hard that would that. have been to scare Terrence McKenna off. You know what I mean? I relate to that a lot because I often am asked like what my favorite psychedelic is and things like that. Yeah. I usually say psilocybin just because of some of the powerful experiences that I've had. But at the same time, it's also what I do the least. Yeah. <laughs> for, for good reason, I feel. I, I, Me I too. <laughs> yeah? And, yeah, yeah. Well, because mushrooms has, uh, I don't know, like the way I experience mushrooms personally is that 
I'm stepping into their world, their realm. I'm not playing by my rules anymore. Whereas with at least LSD, I feel more yeah. control. Like I'm in uh, kind of my own simulated reality. It's more cognitive. But with mushrooms, it's, I don't know, something, not to sound too woo-woo, but it's like I'm stepping into the gods of the mushrooms and it's play, I'm playing by exactly. their rules, you know what I mean? So I can't What's more funny is the people often. who have not had these experiences and think that we're personifying these things when, if anything, it's almost like an involuntary personification. <laughs> like you feel like you're being beat up by these, these <laughs> elders for doing something wrong. Exactly. Well, yeah. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with, you know, personifying things. Like you've been getting into hermetic philosophy, as above, so below. There's always, you know, as within, so without. Yeah. The microcosm yeah. is a reflection of the macrocosm. Yeah. So maybe all these I mean, plants the do have their field. own mind in their own plane, you know. They just work differently. Absolutely. Yeah, what are your thoughts yeah, on man. the hermetic philosophy? Because I'm so glad I saw you, like, get into it. Because it's, like, my most read spiritual, or quote-unquote spiritual, but I also actually deem it scientific in a lot of ways. Yeah. But it's so profound. Yeah. Really, what are your thoughts on it? it was like really are, freaky yeah. to get my hands on. And it makes it even more spooky that, uh, you know, the origins are sort of debated and uh, sort of controversial. And there's sort of a plain reading by somebody who might have a more skeptical mind. And then there's this deep reading that this is this uh, series of teachings that has been passed down hand to mouth, as they say in the <laughs> book, um, for quite some time. Mm. And it's very, very uh, chin scratching, to say the least. And what are like some nuggets that stay with you? I got to go sorry. Yeah, you're right. Gotta keep hydrated. My bad. I got my um, got my tea. Gotta keep that H two O going, you know. Yeah, fuck yeah. I gotta take that tea in, man. <laughs> mm. I think I think some of the strange things about it are that some of it resonates with what we're still learning in modern science. So when they say things like. The, when they talk about the principle of vibration, that everything is never at rest and that it's always moving at some uh, some frequency, it is strange because when we speak of particles, we do speak of them this way. We do speak mm. about, um, especially if we're talking about, uh, I would never step into quantum physics and pretend to understand it, but it absolutely is about this probability field of where these particles can be. Mm. And that, to me, is essentially talking about moving at what you may call a vibration. Um, trying to think of some of the other principles, uh, like polarity. That's an obvious one. Like everything comes in opposites. There's a negative the and positive charge for everything. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. yes. Well, I, I'm as far yeah, as I'm that aware. That definitely manifests in my own life. Yeah, I, I think most principles have been proven by science, at least to some degree, except for I think mm. the last one, principle of gender, which we're still kind of going through, yeah. which is interesting. That one was a bit interesting. I didn't fully understand it, to be honest. I, do you feel like you understood it? Uh, well, there's still a lot to understand, but I'll, yeah, I can give it a go. As as far as I understand it, it's mas- It's not about just penis and vaginas. Sex is a is the manifestation of gender, right? So mm-hmm. the way they break it down is that masculinity is creation, femininity is generation, and if you want to think of it as of a more like, I don't know, quantum physics level, and I'm not going to pretend I understand it either, but the, I won't either. the masculine principle is like, is the positive end of the atom, whereas the femininity is the the negative part. So it's more like, and it, you know how like as above, mm-hmm. so below, so it, it applies to all planes of existence. So you've got like 
mental gender. You've got the masculine and feminine part of your, how you think. Mm. You can think of it as left hemisphere, right hemisphere. But yeah, as, as, as I'm th thinking about this now, I, I think the, uh, the principle of mentalism actually has stuck with me the most because it, it kind of hit me right when I was in the middle of some, uh, I guess some like non-dual investigations trying to kind of figure out what some of these teachers uh, like Rupert Spira are talking about. Right. And just to see that echoed in a text that is, some people say, you know, 150 years old, some people may say is cited from much older sources. Um, it really, really freaked me out to think that the subjective field is sort of generating everything in a, in a dream sort of way. Mm. But although that doesn't take away the, the importance of the dream necessarily. No, well, it's like it says in the Kabbalion, uh, even if this is all a dream, you still have to act as if it's real. Otherwise, you're going to fall and tumble over and fuck yourself mm -hmm. up big time. And the pain will be very yeah. real. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So on a That's practical sense, always... you have to treat it as if it's real. Otherwise, you're going to be in trouble. Yeah, man. I've always found that tricky to reconcile some of the, the Eastern teachings about acceptance. And um, you might even call it like pacifist like passiveness right. with uh, this Western Western go get em kind of mentality, because part of me when I fully settle and I, I guess you could say accept the now part of me still wonders, and I'm sure it's the ego, like what's next, you know, like, mm. like what am I going to do? Yeah, there's always a paradox with these kind of thing. I think like, I mean, yeah, be present, accept where you're at. But what happens if your life's in chaos? Do you, mm -hmm. do you just accept it? I don't exactly. know. Exactly. Or or you're the direct uh, cause of your misery at the moment and you need to take action. Yeah, and, and sometimes your present moment is a reflection of the past. So sometimes being present, you're just kind of reinforcing your past traumas and mistakes. Yeah. So I'm, like, I'm not saying being present like, is bad or it's good, but like in it's context, man. Context is everything. So Of course. Like, do you get to decide to be present after being massively irresponsible and causing others grief? Exactly. I feel you got to earn that shit. Mm -hmm. I feel <laughs> to like really you gotta be earn present that and accept. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think Eckhart might have a bone to pick with me for saying that, but it <laughs> sometimes feels like you got to earn that presence. But that's definitely our egos, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. Don't know. But it's a profound book, man. It's definitely helped me. I don't know, just kind of understand reality in a much bigger sense, and it helps really reconcile those paradoxes, even the non-dual <laughs> and the dual, like the polarity we're talking about. How it's like you are connected to everything, but at the same time, you're a human being living in a relative plane and you have to abide by certain laws. You know what I mean? You're not, you're not above everything. Maybe on the deepest absolute level you are, but also, this, you know, definitely man. And also this discussion of rhythm, you know, this idea that when we look at the cosmos, there's this, I don't, it's really a beautiful dance. I mean, if you mm. just observe most things at the microscopic or even, you know, the macroscopic level, it seems like this beautiful chaotic dance. And I, and I love that. Yeah. The seasons, ebbs and flows, high tide, low tide. Mm -hmm. And those cycles yeah, you know, on manifest on every, too. yeah. And those, those cycles manifest in like on the smallest levels from the atom to the cosmos itself. Mm -hmm. You know, it's fucking unbelievable. Yeah. And I feel like right now we're going yeah. through a pretty hectic cycle. I don't know what's going like, on, but Jesus Christ, it's crazy. <laughs> the current world nowadays? Yeah, man. It's, it's insane. Just yeah. like the freaks, time that we live in out. right now. Yeah, mm -hmm. me too. It's hard to know, you know, how much is the bias of being in being in this time and place, you know, and how much is actually falling apart around us. But I want to think it's, uh, <laughs> it's the first one and not everything's falling apart around us. It's definitely the first one. We're special. 
No, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it could, yeah, it could be, but it actually could be. I don't know. I don't know. I've only yeah. lived in this time, so I can, yeah, I'm biased mm-hmm. in that sense. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But, but at the same time, even now, like with technology and how it's growing, like our generation, like with the internet, I don't know if you grew up like pre-internet. I think that's all mm-hmm. I remember. But I, that changed everything, just how I we got, behave uh, and connect with each other. Oh, sorry, man. I was going to say are. that my internet experience is basically... I got the last run of the dial-up phone computers in about fifth or sixth grade. Oh, did you? How so, old are you? I'm uh, 22. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> early days of the weirdo internet, I still had some of that, but not the super early, early internet. Yeah, I I actually remember like the earliest form of porn, and there was no streaming. There's no videos. You have to wait for like uh, a, yeah, what was? It? You have to wait for like a JPEG fo- photo to load. So it's like bar by bar. And then once it loads the nipple, then you you know yeah. you go. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, I had that memory too. I had Did a prepaid phone and fit, and I remember waiting ages for this picture of this. <laughs> I think it was an ass to load. <laughs> Just an absurd long long amount of time. Yeah, now I'm like, I don't know. I'm actually on doing nofap, so that's been quite challenging. I don't know if you've had any experience like? with it. I oh, just quitting porn and minimal masturbation mm-hmm. stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. I can't say I've personally done that before, but I hear about it and I'm curious about it because it has a pretty sizable community at this point. Yeah, I think, listen, I don't want to go too extreme. I think every movement, there's always an extreme point that you can reach. But I think just with jacking off or, you know, ejaculating, it's a lot of creative energy. That's like the way I think of it is like it's sexual energy and creative energy is exactly the same thing. So if you're using all your energy and just masturbating or whatever, then you're going to have a lot less energy just with life. You're going to have less willpower, less discipline, less energy to create things. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it actually, well, one... I, yeah. I, I, sorry to cut you off, but I just remind uh, reminded no me of uh, Napoleon Hill. He wrote a very famous book called Think and Grow Rich, and there was a chapter in there called Sexual Transmutation, which borrows from the Kabbalion, right, Hermetic philosophy, and they talk about that a lot. Because you, you've read the book, so you're, are you familiar with mental transmutation? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, so, so same yes, sort of I'm principle. with the concept. Yeah, so same sort of principle with sexual transmutation is that that's, they believe that that's the best way to really manifest shit and like create things is by mm-hmm. holding that, that energy. Yeah, and, and uh, yeah. you know, it, strangely enough, it does kind of feel like at orgasm this... Uh, I'm just going to be willing to be... Silly. This sometimes you do get these sacred intimations or these very uh, very powerful feelings that feel almost like uh, as close to divine as you may feel on certain psychedelics or things like that. And I can imagine how there could be a theory behind withholding this. Mm. And it's also clear to me um, and yeah. probably to everybody else that sexual pathology has only increased as our ability to see every single type of sexual behavior has increased. And so while I think, you know, personally I may not need that at the moment i can imagine this is affecting millions of people mm, absolutely yeah for sure well even you myself well yeah man like i man I, I got like really addicted to just porn when i was like mm-hmm. fuck 10 years old maybe i don't even know 11 yeah really yeah and especially you got to think about now like i i grew up in the you know the dial-up era so it wasn't mm-hmm. it was, internet porn was just starting to become a thing but i think now it's like 
you got virtual reality, you you got like sex dolls, you probably got they're gonna probably invent mm-hmm. certain things where you can like plug into a virtual reality and then you can like feel a woman touching you. I don't know, they're probably gonna invent some shit like that and My man, they have synchronized toys with videos. This is the future. Oh. <laughs> and that's real, like that's that's an already a technology. Yeah, that's the dark that's arts out. right there for sure, uh, certainly. Yeah, dude. I don't know. I don't know. Scary shit. But we gotta yeah, do so what you, we gotta do. So do you feel like abstaining has just overall overall increased your well being? Yeah. To a certain degree, because I don't wanna be too extreme because you know, I do have a girlfriend. We gotta I gotta have sex, <laughs> otherwise we won't be happy, you know. If the wife sure. ain't happy mm-hmm. then no one's happy. But yeah. Uh. <laughs> Uh, no, I still, you know, so I still do it in that context, but in terms of like me looking at porn and just masturbating, I try to keep that, I, I'm trying to eliminate it completely, but it's a lot harder than it seems. No pun intended. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you're familiar with meditations by Marcus Aurelius. Yeah. Stoic philosophy sort of. Yeah. I like, I like that. Actually, yeah. I do a lot uh, of like negative visualizations as pitching me myself in like horrible situations and then see how i would react i kind of like those games yeah yeah yeah. it kind of makes uh kind of makes me laugh to think about you know sort of a modern uh, marcus aurelius tone that might exist where it's actually just talking about the dangers of online pornography and other like modern dangers because when we read his context you know he was uh he sometimes complained about very critical books and things like that because in his day you know uh woo-woo philosophers were just all the rage and uh, polluting the minds of the youth but now it's porn Mm. and so we would probably have words like that in a modern text that related to stoicism definitely even still a lot of the woo-woo philosophies are still kind of you know i fell into like personally i fell into a few traps just believing too much in the woo-woo philosophy which kind of i guess it severed my core to this physical reality and then i started to become too much in the clouds you know what i mean and it wasn't very practical yeah. so and i think a lot of people when was this into about these traps. Uh, i would say three years ago is when i kind of really became aware of these traps and then that, that's when i became a lot more practical with my philosophies and a lot more vigilant and especially careful of which teachers i'm listening to especially spiritual yeah, gurus you got to be really- careful because like you know, like I've done this channel for a long time and I've met a lot of, you could say, influencers or profound spiritual teachers and a, mm-hmm. a lot of them aren't as cracked up to be. You know what I mean? And yeah. I understand that we're all human. We all have flaws, except that a lot of these people pretend that they don't. It's like really weird. And then they kind of, it's like the blind leading the blind. You know what I mean? And it can mm-hmm. be really dangerous, especially for impressionable minds. So I had that illusion shattered and it was like, yeah, well, it's pretty. It was a crisis, really, because everything that you believed in, you find out that it's horseshit, you know. So it's yeah, mm-hmm. you the age really old be- cycle. Yeah, man, the age old cycle. So that's why I'm very. I think that shows a yeah. really flexible mind, man. The fact that you analyzed traps that you were mentally in and then readjusted, like you know, that's a model <laughs> for mental behavior. <laughs> Not to you know. Yeah, it was clap sh- you up too much. No, I, it's it was shattering, but at the same time. Imagine if I didn't recourse my direction, you know what I mean? It would have been a mu- much uglier. Mm-hmm. So, And surely you've gotten a glimpse of that as well because, you know, in my really short time doing this, I already have. Like, I can see the paths that form where you could be a fraud. Like, it's very mm-hmm. apparent. Like, people, ju- there's just already this disproportionate relationship between you and the audience, and it's so 
it's really right for sociopaths. So I don't know how many sociopaths are among us, but they would thrive in this area where they just oh, are willing to say complete falsities, you know, make just everything, you know, it's there's, the easy path. A lot. Yeah, you're right. It, it actually, especially I find that in the spiritual path, well, an influencer type spiritual teacher, it can attract a lot of like narcissistic psychopaths. And I'm not one to ever name names or gossip because I think that's like actually a very demonic form of communication. It's not cool. But mm-hmm. I do like to just point out certain behaviors or, or, I don't know, certain traps that people follow. And again, it's an age-old cycle, man. It happens every generation. Yeah, just History is doomed to repeat itself. So you have to like really have a keen eye on what's happening. So. So I kind of find myself like while I'm in the very, very early stages of my YouTube thing, just constantly almost self-flagellating because out of a fear of of seeming, you know, any any different than any of these apes watching this on their screen. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. How have you found your channel affecting your relationship with psychedelics? Do you find that it stayed the same or do you find yourself tripping more because you want to make a video about it? Or even within the trip, do you find like, oh, I should take these philosophies down so I can make it like, do you know what I mean? Has it affected your relationship with psychedelics? I have not. I have not tripped more because of psychedelics yet. But what, you know, if you're just analyzing the scenario in and we're talking about the room for sociopaths, clearly mm-hmm. in me and your position, what we could do if we were sociopaths would be to say we did a substance as repeatedly as, as possible. Say I just did a crazy DMT trip to be very articulate and, and woo woo about it. And so um, I really have almost been going out of my way to not modify the way that I intake psychedelics. Mm-hmm. So that's why, despite the fact that people would love for me to do DMT, Tom, I mean, you know, I'm sure, you know, people always ask, when are you going to do DMT next? <laughs> um, yeah. We can I, talk, I a, we can talk about that for a bit. Into these things and I don't want to go into. Yeah. What are your thoughts? Yeah, on, what was that? Have you done DMT before? I have not, not in any significant dose. I, I've tried NNDMT in a very tiny dose. Um, what are your thoughts on it? Are you, do you feel trepidation going into it? Do you have any? Yeah, I feel fear. I feel fear. Do you think you are going to do it? Yes. Yes? <laughs> yes, I, I feel fear. I felt fear the first time that I did it in a very small dose because one, I was alone and I had this very, uh, real fear of choking for some reason because i have a marijuana experience from my youth where i really almost choked on a gravity bong <laughs> and so i just had this fear that as i was going into dmt oblivion i would also be choking and that just really psyched me out hmm. uh, going into it dmt yeah that's actually the one that i don't know if it scares me the most but definitely one of those top psychedelics that i don't know i don't i, I don't resonate with it right now it just scares the bejesus out of me. I've had a few experiences oh, really? before. Yeah, I just find it too... I don't know, because I've done ayahuasca like a f- fair few times, so I've got quite a bit of experience with that, and I just find that I'd rather just do that if I, was, if I wanted to do DMT, you know what I mean? I like that mm-hmm. it kind of the experience lasts longer, you're able to absorb the experience a little bit more, and personally, I like the shamanic context. I like having like a shaman with tradition that's and what I want to be, talk about. being with people. That's part of the thing. Cause like, you know, I'd get comments every now and again of like, why would you pay all this money and go to South America to drink ayahuasca when you can just order it yourself? But it's all about context. As you know, like the psychedelic itself is yeah. like a very tiny factor of it. It's about the set, the setting, 
why you're doing it, who you're doing it with. And personally, like I said, I like just going in the group, having this shaman who's had generations of knowledge and tradition and just being in that presence is like really powerful. Again, I'm just speaking personally. I, I gen- personally speaking, I like no, that context, Tom, I, you know. I think you're on to what the future probably will have to be if psychedelics are going to be integrated because um, there's this idea that uh, psychedelics are healing and there's a lot of scientific evidence to support that. But what some people crucially forget to mention is that very, very often these are in therapeutic clinical settings. Like Mm -hmm. all of the John Hopkins trials that are talking about these massive benefits on psilocybin for addiction and other things like that, these are done in the context of a, a preparatory phase with therapy, therapy during, and then therapy afterwards. So we cannot pretend that these are just these wonder pills that we need to get out to the masses as soon as possible. These are catalytic tools that we have to figure out how to smush into our culture for maximum healing. Exactly. These are not toys. We, we don't want the 60s to repeat itself and we have a whole wave of people going into psychosis and in a mental institution because they did it in a really irresponsible setting. You know, that's always a possibility. So yeah, like you said, man, it's all about the context and even all these scientific studies like the psilocybin one, for example. And on top of that, that's not even studying the whole mushroom. That's isolating psilocybin, which is a different experience in and of itself. Same with MDMA. Mm -hmm. I just find it funny when people, they quote all these MDMA studies with veterans with PTSD, but it's like, but you're doing it in a rave. You don't have PTSD. And most, Mm -hmm. I don't know, because I live in Australia, so of course my my bubble of experience is very limited, but most people who abuse MDMA truly get fucked up in the mind, like severe depression yeah. long-term. And it's scary, man. It's actually, I mean, but it's, it's, a it's good not the drug that... itself. It's again, it's how you use it, but yeah. Absolutely. Let me uh, fix my backlight here. Yeah. It's definitely a good sign that a drug shouldn't be overused and anecdotal evidence and scientific evidence add up to show that it's not good for you in uh, repeated often doses exactly and actually that brings me to a question about hanging up the phone something that alan watts popularized you know like once you Mm -hmm. have a certain amount of experiences and you get the message that you should just leave it alone in a sense i'm butchering what he's saying but you know what are you what are your Mm -hmm. thoughts on that do you think that psychedelics have a I don't know, maybe a certain number and that number could be different for each individual. But do you think there is a stage where you really should let it go? Or do you think that these are tools that can actually be used genuinely and practically for the rest of your days? I think there probably will be a time that comes when it's time to hang it up. Because if we talk about these substances, specifically like LSD and psilocybin as these uh, massively catalytic tools, then, I mean, it's really just common sense that how many times do you need to catalytic shift in your day-to-day life mm-hmm. how many times do you need the uh to reset the framework and re and build from bottom up uh mm-hmm. there's always room for uh destruction and transformation but infinite transformation is just chaos so mm-hmm. and there's a price for knowledge um, as well you know because you can always people will say that you but you can always learn something it's like yeah you, of course you can always gain knowledge but there is a certain mm-hmm. point because i like i'm just speaking from my own personal journey because i've had very troubling experiences where it was too much knowledge to the point where I was like, fuck, yeah. I, I wish sometimes you wish you can go back and have that innocence in a way. And it's like, you want to just enjoy the journey where you're at instead of just trying to jump to the end and be this infinite knowledge wizard. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And what kind of itches at me is that 
you know, most of these profound molecules like psilocybin and LSD and the rest, um, they're very similar to serotonin. Mm-hmm. And that kind of gives me this, uh, it almost feels like a physiological hint that these are states that you could reach without it. I mean, it's not a coincidence that the most powerful psychedelics and these things giving us uh, the most profound experience are so similarly shaped to our own neurotransmitter. Mm. Um not sure what to make of that, but it clearly shows that there are analogs to these states without actually consuming these molecules. Mm. Yeah, it seems like there's a, a more sustainable ways to do it. Because, um, mm-hmm. like, listen, I'm 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 at the stage now where I'm still gaining benefits from psychedelics, but even then, I take them so rarely. Some people think that just because I have this channel, I must trip all the time, but no, opposite. <laughs> in fact, the more, experience like, yeah, the more experience I have, the less I do it. The more I respect these substances, the more trepidation I tend to have, you know? But it's yeah. out of respect. You I was going to say, I mean? yeah. people yeah, also assume every new video you're tripping. I mean, the people say, I think you're tripping too much when I just made a video talking about uh, some of the benefits of psilocybin. So I want it to be known that I haven't done psilocybin in, you know, half a year. And because last time it scared the hell out of me. It, mm-hmm. it beat me down to the ground, told me that I was an egotistical fraud and just basically told me to uh, take, a, take a break. <laughs> Let's yeah. just say that. Do you think that having a channel talking about psychedelics, teaching the masses, make it like... I don't know, maybe you're more prone to get punished in this way for egotistical reasons? I I think if you do have a teacher mentality, then you're definitely going to get punished because my mentality is more like I'm doing bioassays of substances and kind of just telling you what my experience was like. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't feel that maybe once I'm a master's uh, graduate or something like that, I'll feel a lot more comfortable with really calling myself like a pharmacology educator and things like that. But at the moment, any education I'm doing is basically by someone saying, oh, I'm not going to do that now. Or mm. <laughs> or uh, I saw what happened to him. Uh, I really can't, uh, can't stand on my soapbox yet and truly talk about what psychedelics are like for everybody. Yeah, yeah. Still in the beginner stages. I feel like that as well. Yeah. I think at the start, I yeah. even I don't think I ever had like, oh, I'm a teacher or I'm an expert. Ne- never like that. But maybe subconsciously I did. I don't know. Just looking back. I might too when I reflect on it, you know, like it's I, something that can creep up. Yeah, yeah. I, I think like now that's why I like I have more of a kind of documentary filmmaker approach and just. I like that, man. You make super high quality stuff. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate it. Like it's like vice level. It's it's very strange to see these. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm kind of obsessed with this view of how, let's say, archaeologists in 100 years will see our time. Mm. And they're just going to see this massive output of mobile creativity, like the fact that my entire channel's on my phone, the fact that you mm-hmm. had mostly mobile equipment to go record all the stuff that you did. Like you didn't need this giant on the shoulder, you know, right. camera and things yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. You- you're putting out uh, with things similar to some news channels, mm. <laughs> this uh, mobile content that's informative. It's, it's really interesting. It's interesting to realize position. our time and place. Yeah, yeah, it's an interesting position to be in. I, I feel like I even have like a little bit of an anthropologist type of approach. That's why it's not even all about psychedelics. Like, for example, I did a documentary on the toxic weed epidemic in Chile, in South America, and I went to like the ghetto streets, picked up like this toxic weed and kind of interviewing people living that life like i love that those kind of raw human perspectives you know and not trying to give like a oh this is what this means scientifically or historically like no i'm just pure raw perspective i guess you know does that trip you out though that you're giving these like 
you're almost giving these like uh, glimpses, you know, into these things that would not have been glimpsed otherwise, like maybe in another context or another documentary, but the moments and the people that you feature, it really does kind of, you know, tickle the timeline a little bit when it's, I think about it. It's, re it's really weird. And just kind of looking back on it, it's like, it all makes sense because like growing up, I was always dabbling in the dark arts and kind of living in the, the underworld in a lot of ways, getting into like drugs and, hanging out with shady characters. And then I went through my spiritual awakening, completely got away from that. But even now, I think a lot of these people have stories to tell. And I think we can learn a lot from even the harshest place mm -hmm. of the world that I think a lot of people shy away from. And I see this in, a lot in spirituality where we we're o overly focus on the positive and the beauty, but then we shy away from like the, the ugliness, you know, the evil, the, the suffering. failure of polarity. We're not being polar. Yeah, what do we do? We call it an illusion right oh evil doesn't exist because that way if mm -hmm. i say that i don't have to deal with it you know when just mm -hmm. because think about how quickly oh sorry i'll sorry. i'll just say this one thing it's like good and evil like yes it's relative but it doesn't mean that these forces don't have a real effect on human beings you know what i mean like just because something is relative it doesn't mean that it's mm -hmm. it's not yeah. real i think that's a big misconception in woo woo modern new age spirituality Mm -hmm. Yeah, what were you going to say? Oh, uh, you just had me excited with your train of thought there. I was just <laughs> thinking, you, yeah, you notice nobody ever, uh, many modern Christians, you might say, would dismiss notions of hell and things like that. But people are not as quick to throw away the idea of heaven. People mm. are very fast to throw away the suffering and the eternal torment. That's silly. That could never exist. But, you know, the eternal afterlife with the eternal donuts and things of that nature, <laughs> we, we have no problem uh, maybe, you know, being open-minded to. <laughs> but hell, no way. That's, that's foolish. That's child thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It can't <laughs> be. But then even hell, like, it's real on this plane man you just have to travel look around that there's the hell, hell is, is real. fucking real man and, and it's a bottomless pit and of course there's different approaches like you can have a more fear-mongering approach like do good or you're going to burn in hell forever or just kind of like hey you know don't let the fear consume you but at the same time you got to acknowledge it because if you don't acknowledge the darkness or the shadow then it's it's going to grow in, in this really ugly way and that's why so many spiritual gurus Actually, one recently, I won't say the name, but they a lot of spiritual gurus end up sexually, uh, you know, attacking young women because yeah. they're so they're celibate and they, they repress that shit so much and they build themselves up to be like this perfect being, enlightened being who's in touch with all the yeah. goodness of the world. And because they're so actively repressing all the, the darkness, then it, it grows in ugly ways, you know. So that's why it's always important, at least for me, to not give it power of course not always be rooted in your light and your love your compassion but at least yeah. acknowledge it man like i mean it's like if we can envision a utopia where everything is as maximally good as it could be then we can easily envision where we're all the product of our own mistakes and suffering and mm. insecurities and everything of that negative nature yeah man and i've had some heavy psychedelic trips where i would get tapped into the collective suffering of humanity and live out lives like for example Whoa. Live, live out like a homeless person how would they feel or an old person who has no loved ones he's just estranged from his family living with regret on his deathbed on the hospital dying alone or living as a a child african soldier who's high on meth and forced to kill his own father you know just shit like that and that's just like three little yeah. tiny examples of the the totality like it's it's heavy man it's so heavy mm -hmm. to the point where you're just begging the psychedelic for it to stop like please make this stop it's this is too much 
I understand, but I think, fuck. I, th <laughs> I think that's why I'm so sucked into philosophies that start by basically just asserting that life is suffering. Like, you know, of course, mm -hmm. Buddhism might call suffering many different things, but generally they say suffering. Um, Stoicism just asserts that you're really just pushing the rock uphill and being diligent despite suffering. All mm -hmm. of these things are attractive to me because they seem to acknowledge the first universal truth and then kind of move outward from there because happiness is definitely something that comes into your life, but it seems much more likely that suffering is, I guess I would just say suffering is more easily provable than, oh, yeah. than joy and happiness. Well, in happiness, it's, that's part of the polarity, you know, with, to have happiness, it's already mm -hmm. attached to sadness, you know? I think peace yeah. is probably a better uh, or a more practical emotion to chase after if you're going to chase after something because it's like the balance of everything. Because mm -hmm. I, I went through an ayahuasca trip where, well, the previous one I asked for like understanding and service and not like these big connotations. And then it was like, but with knowledge, of course, it's too much. So then you the scared next... me, Tom. I was yeah. kind of thinking those same words before I went into mine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just be careful what you wish for because you will get <laughs> what you wanted. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. yeah that, like, uh, that's why I'm like, I don't want to like, you know, influence how you approach these things. But at the same time, I'm like, oh, I don't know. Not... Knowledge, it's infinite, man. It's infinite. There's, there's actually an old Marvel comic where Thor, he asked for infinite knowledge and he ended up getting both his eyes taken out. Because it's too much. Mm -hmm. You can't Isn't bear that, that scene shit. Seen in Indiana Jones as well with the crystal skull, where he's just taking in all this ancient knowledge. And... Yeah, what was that? Wasn't that um, relating to the covenant or something in the Bible? I've heard that too. Like the the. I don't know. It's like God. I don't know. Maybe the knowledge or the power of God is too much that man for them to touch it. Yeah. You're, you're going to get destroyed by it. It's too much. That that I was think part that's of my touching yeah. on the archetype of awe at the all we would call. You know, the all. That's yep. sort of what it seems like. I think that's a good name as well. I like that. Just the I all. love the all. That's yeah, a great yeah, yeah. term. The all. Yeah. Even like God, I had a big problem with because I, I think probably like many people these days, you know, they grow up Catholic and then just by that very fact, you have to rebel against it. So then I turned super atheist and then I found that just as dumb as oh, yeah. being a hardcore Catholic. So then I became agnostic. Well, oh, I don't know. But then again, that's just being a fence sitter. You don't want to be a fence sitter because then you'll be stuck in limbo. Mm -hmm you're not going to have any conviction in your life, you know? So yeah, it's just interesting. Mm -hmm. But now integrating all the religions, even Catholicism and or Christianity, it's got a lot of powerful principles that even hermetic law supports, you know, but it's like every religion. I, like, I there's, really there's some good, out. there's some good stuff in all of it. I, I like Christianity in the, in so far as it's like, you have your suffering, but it's like, you want to carry that shit. You want to, I don't know, like use it for something positive, fight for good, fight evil, you know, shit like that. It, it has more purpose to it versus just like, mm -hmm. ah, everything's an illusion. Don't worry about it. Just meditate under a tree. And that has value too, but, yeah. you know, there's context. It's all about context and where you are in your life, I guess. Or maybe not. I yeah, don't know. I could be full of shit. <laughs> That's a possibility. <laughs> <laughs> are we both full of shit? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Uh, I'm a big fan of Christianity symbolically. Like I'm a really yeah. big fan of some of these symbols. Like they really do feel like they reach what Jordan Peterson would call like the peak of symbolism and the mm. peak, like when you have God being represented in the form of a man voluntarily taking on the maximum suffering for everybody else. And that being redemptive, like I don't have any claims as to whether that occurred or didn't. I really don't care all that much, but um, the symbol is deeply powerful. I think 
very powerful man. Actually, I'm because I'm being, I'm obsessed with Dragon Ball Z at the moment, and that has a lot yeah. of ties with uh, Christian Christian principles. And just looking back on it now, I was like, oh fuck, no, no wonder that it's such yeah. a cultural phenomenon because it like it touches on like these deep core truths of humanity, you know, and what it means to be human. And that's, yeah, it's inspiring. That's what I like about Christianity. Like, the, like you said, it's the symbology. Fun. Like, I don't. I wasn't there, you know, two thousand years ago, so I don't know what the fuck happened. So I'm, not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna <laughs> attach myself to. Yeah, I don't know, I don't know. I wasn't there, but it does definitely. A lot of the symbology resonates with how I approach life now, you know. That's what got me interested in Joseph Campbell was the fact that I noticed um, in my own life, like the certain fantasy tropes and themes that I was drawn towards. Uh, mm. Some of them explicitly masculine, like ideas of being the last warrior on the battlefield with his sword, you know, on okay. the on the field. Like even you could probably kind of imagine that as this uh, amazing scenario. Yeah, uh, it was just so interesting for me to learn that these were deep archetypes that were cross-cultural like that really mm. shook me and, and i guess it shouldn't have because we're all so similar after all yeah joseph campbell man he touched on something so profound and i think even the hero's journey you could even go back to jesus he's like the og hero's journey in a lot of ways i'm sure maybe yeah. there's someone before that but like pfft, and so the question pretty good one <laughs> yeah so the question would be like did joseph campbell uh sort of construct this system of the hero's journey or did he notice a pattern that keeps repeating itself for the last 10,000 or more years you know what i mean principle that, of that rhythm he just noticed what we were doing mm-hmm. exactly mm-hmm. it's like yeah like you know you talk about these archetypes and principles and natural laws and they just manifest themselves differently especially now yeah yeah we're again it's interesting to interesting times strange times but interesting times strange times my friend yeah man how do you, what are your thoughts on, because I wanted to ask your opinion on this, on uh, synthetic versus organic psychedelic substances. Do you think mm-hmm. there, there is some sort of a, like drawbacks from having synthetic isolated compounds versus having an, a plant that's, you know, more, maybe works more holistically or, I don't know, like, what, are you, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, yeah, so I, I went both. I went both ways on this at first because, you know, okay. as coming kind of from the chemistry background, you want to say at first, hey, look, if we take the molecule out of the plant and then I take the molecule, you know, so, so, whatever, it's the same thing. But, you know, when we really reflect on on this, on these things and we think about how cultures have integrated some of these uh, these plants and substances, we realize that these aren't molecules that these cultures were selecting for. Maybe there was a few desired molecules, but it was really this entire conglomeration of molecules. Mm-hmm. You know, when you when you take in the entire cannabis plant or you take in um, the entire mushroom, we have no idea what the biochemistry could truly be there. Like the one thing I've learned by working in biochemistry labs is that research on receptor sites and binding mechanisms are is very slow and we're still trying to paint the f- complete picture. One, one good example uh, that will show you how far along we are in truly understanding things at this level is that when I load um, the model of the ribosome on my computer, it just completely freezes. Like we have billions of these in our body and I can't even render it without hydrogens attached. Oh. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, complexity forever. <laughs> we don't know shit, <laughs> in other words. So I guess if you if I did wrap that up, I would say there's probably something we don't understand about the cross interactions of this group of molecules versus just them being isolated. Mm. And uh, I think you may you may have a good perspective on this because you've dabbed marijuana concentrates, right? No, 
I'm, I per- oh, really? I, I purposely <laughs> avoid dabbing just because, mm. like, even now, I, I probably smoke too much weed as it is now. I don't want to yep. raise the threshold of what it what it could mean to get super high. And then now my normal, I don't know, me having a normal joint, for example, it just doesn't cut it anymore. I don't, I'd, I'd rather, right, I'd rather, I'd rather not expand that. <laughs> yeah. That reality. I don't know. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I went down that path, my friend. Okay. I went down that path about a, about a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago. Now I spent the entire year only doing uh, cannabis concentrates oh. and on this journey i basically only like i wasn't Shit. smoking any flour whatsoever um, and this is mostly due to the fact that i have access to dispensaries and things like that i could just go to the store and get you it lucky bastard we still have to do i know it. i'm the a lucky, lucky boy yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um anyway man so i went down this journey of like obsession with having the highest thc percentage you know like you just always associate that you're like i would love 30 percent, 50 percent, something crazy you know mm-hmm. um so finally i worked my way all the way up to 99.9 percent thca crystalline extract okay this is something that is a pure it looks like snowflakes in a glass um, this is Christ. pure white and i dabbed it and i was disappointed and so it was at this moment, after finally climbing this ladder of THC concentration, I realized it's not really about any one molecule. I love the plant because it's this big association of molecules. Mm. And so I basically have climbed all the way back down to just smoking good old cannabis after uh, getting to the top of that mountain and finding nothing of value. Going back to the pure, the spirit of it, if you want to call yeah, it Yeah, the that. spirit of it. And, and a you, manageable dose. So do you, do you think that in, in a way, symbolically or literally, however you want to think about it, do you think that isolating a compound is kind of killing the spirit in a way versus just ingesting the original plant in its natural My guess form. would be it's both. So there's probably molecule there's probably instances where cultures that are taking something are actually really only selecting for one or two molecules, but mm-hmm. in the case of things like ayahuasca and you know these deep deeply ingrained um cultural plant medicines, I would say it's almost certainly better to just take them in completely in their in their entirety. Mm. Nature, yeah, people forget that Mother Nature is a pretty amazing chemist, right? <laughs> she knows what she's doing. Yeah, it's great you say that, really, because <laughs> it's, I mean, that's been the naturally selected form of that plant. So why not just ingest it in the way that has been selected for? Mm. But maybe as well, there's, you know, like context is everything, I, I, I suppose. And maybe there are certain contexts where isolating a compound could be better for a certain use. You know, more like designer oh, yeah, drugs. Yeah, like most medicine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. like if, if we're going to make a pharmacy medicine, you know, people don't need to also get the, the cocoa leaf in there with the with the heart medication, you know. Exactly, exactly. So there's, yeah, it depends what you use it for, I suppose. But it's like, it's I find it interesting with the plants versus the synthetic drugs because I've always found, even with THC, because I've done like THC oil and stuff, mm-hmm. and I like it. It was more potent, got me more stoned, but... I just don't think it lights a candle to just having the plant in its original form, at least with weed anyway. I just prefer the... I agree, and I disagreed works. at first. And it was also very interesting to... to uh, I would observe as I would bring THC extracts to parties and stuff like that versus when I would bring cannabis. And it was pretty undisputed that when you bring cannabis to a party, it 
it might kill the party down a little bit, but it absolutely will kill the party when you bring concentrates. <laughs> like people are just sleeping on the couch. People, I have hilarious <laughs> memories of uh, prom night where uh, a man is just sleeping next to the pool and he's just unconscious for his prom night <laughs> from too high of THC extract. Jesus. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, man. Man. I, I could only imagine in the US as well, you guys get like, you, just, you guys are taking it too far, I feel. I'm <laughs> like, about to take it too far, too. I'm about to get into the industry once I can. <laughs> nice. Well, when the Hopefully borders, when the borders are open, I'll, I'll fly over and we'll, we'll do something. That'll be sick. Oh, yeah, man. You got it. Tom, whenever you come over. Yeah. Well, actually, um, for those listening at home, me and Quentin were actually about to go to Mexico and do a peyote ceremony together and ayahuasca and all these things. But obviously, this whole coronavirus kind mm-hmm. of destroyed those plans but the round boy got us I, just, I always like to look at the positive of everything and i think it's maybe a good thing just to kind of delay this thing gives me a little bit more extra time to prepare because parody i've never done parody i don't know about you but it I seems haven't. like it's no joke so i need to like <laughs> really if i have yeah. a couple extra months to prepare it's probably a good thing I really just try to trust the, you know, that this is easy to say when it's nothing like the loss of a loved one, but I really do try to trust the the workings of the universe. As cringy and cliche as that is, I have found great success in just kind of, mm. you know, trying to be ethically upright, but then ultimately just letting it play out, just yeah. letting it go. Exactly. Because then you like trusting something bigger than yourself in a lot of ways. And I think it's, it's practical as yeah. well. Like if you find the positive, like, you know, you're, you're going to, your mind's going to kind of focus in what, like, how do I say this? Whatever you focus on is going to manifest itself. So if you're focusing on the positive, yeah. like how can this help me? Or if you're in this space of gratitude, then life is generally going to be better versus just like, Oh, why did this happen to me? And you start being in this victim mentality. And then you start to point out all the negative things that have happened because of this thing. I don't know. I just don't find it very mm-hmm. practical. I think in Meditations uh, by Marcus Aurelius, he said basically uh, even chance is not divorced from providence, just meaning that even the random horrible things that occur are not separated from basically divine unraveling of the universe. Mm, exactly. What, what are your thoughts on peyote? Have you done mescaline or no. San Pedro or any cactus? I haven't. I'm really looking forward to, to getting my hands on it and, uh, you know, being respectful but being observant and seeing how they differ mm. it's uh, i've done san pedro before a few times that was actually the experience did that, you do it at arcana uh i did it last time but i did it also five years ago uh when i first did ayahuasca mm-hmm. and that was the psychedelic that gave me the insight to start a blog and a youtube channel and it gave me like more direction in life so it was kind yeah. of it was interesting because i find that the cactus and I would assume that peyote is similar, but more intense from what I've heard. Uh, Jose, actually, he calls peyote, it's San Pedro's crazy Mexican cousin. <laughs> <laughs> Which I, like, I haven't done peyote, but I was like, okay. I'm not scared at all. Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, but I found it's, it has, a, uh, the shamans believe it has more of a masculine presence to it versus ayahuasca, which is more feminine. And I can see how like relating hermetic philosophy to masculinity and femininity, I can see how ayahuasca is a lot more, it's a lot more cosmic. It's a lot more like you've got to interpret what's going on. It's more symbolic and it can be harsher, like the lessons, whereas San Pedro is a lot more, it's direct, it's more grounded, it's more matter of fact. Like this is how, this yeah. is what's going on. Whereas ayahuasca, you've got to kind of put the pieces together. 
it's kind of like a woman right they you have to they yeah. they they expect you to be a detective they don't tell you exactly what's mm-hmm. going on <laughs> I, what i did want to ask you because you've had so many of these experiences in this um ritualistic ceremonial context i wanted to ask you how you think that would look or could look if it was brought into say the united states like i'm aware that centers exist currently kind of you know below the table where you can do these sorts of things but Mm -hmm. i I really am obsessed with what this would look like in modernity because i don't believe that these should just be you know next to liquor i don't think you should just be grabbing lsd tabs without any preemptive warning whatsoever no but it's clear that in the ceremonial context you've been in, these could have massive benefit. Massive, yeah. I think, how, how is it going to be integrated in Western society? It's a good question. I think it's probably going to be a, a, a mixture of you know traditional shamanic practices, but also Western psychotherapy context. Yeah. Uh, as long as the person who has given you the psychedelic is a master at it, and I don't mean master in the sense of, oh, you have to grow up in some remote island on the amazon Mm -hmm. and you have to have this specific tradition but just dedicate your whole life to understanding this plan i feel like that's as long as that's covered Mm -hmm. not just some i don't know fucking davo at the pharmacy center yeah exactly just giving you this thing and i don't know because i think you know you probably experience this with psychedelics you're you open yourself to the multiverse if you want to call it that yeah and you know sometimes absolutely nasty things can slip in if you're not if you don't do it in the right context that's what i believe anyway you know there is good and bad energies yeah. out there and you just got to be careful i guess you know with it's like the law of polarity the fact that psychedelics can give you such profound healing and unprecedented results with psychotherapy but the potential of the negative is horrific it's like yeah the fucking hor- more horrible than all drugs i feel like the worst case scenarios of psychedelics so that's, it's almost like all they can guarantee is a transformative state, and it's up for us to mold that. That's yeah. sort of what it feels like to me. Extreme, yeah, extreme polarity, and we don't know anything about psychedelics. Like, man, we what? Nothing. We stopped research for like forty years, and we've just started to pick up the book again and try yeah. to study these things. Like, we don't even know what consciousness is, let alone psychedelics. So, I think that we don't know shit. Oh. We're we're toddlers, not even toddlers, babies at this stage of yeah. I'm obsessed with this because I came. The perspective. Sorry, man, I uh, it lagged a bit. Yeah, yeah, go go ahead. Oh, okay, yeah, I was gonna say, um, oop, lost my train of thought. What were you talking about? Uh, about what was I talking about? Oh, the extreme polarity of psychedelics and how they have the, you know, mm. really good potential to heal, but also you know the negative side of that too. Yeah, I was just gonna say that. Um, I started off as such a, a strict materialist and just thinking that everything could be explained by physical phenomena and this receptor being being uh, interacted with this way and these downstream things occurring. But then I started looking into it and I'm not, you know, I'm just an undergraduate research student. I'm nothing big yet. But what seems clear is that <laughs> we know a lot of physical phenomena is occurring in the mind and we know about these interactions, but 
doesn't get us to subjective experience whatsoever. Like mm. knowing that psilocybin binds to the 5-HT2A site tells me nothing about why I was sent into Aztec uh, memes. Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like yeah. that tells me nothing about that whatsoever. And then they would, they might respond like someone interested in uh, neurology might say, well, we know that this pathway is affected in this memory system. And they'll show you a really pretty uh, color, uh, image of the mind with certain areas highlighted and certain areas not. But as you keep digging into it, you just keep finding correlations between physical phenomena that never get you to subjective experience. So mm. that's why that's what kind of sucked me into the hard problem of consciousness and sort of uh, made me a bit less dogmatic about materialism. Mm. I, I completely relate to you because I was also I'm still a skeptic now, but before I was a materialist yeah. scientific skeptic. And yeah, like, you know, I'd, fuck. I completely I, like I studied engineering, so I know that's like you're a kindred, really you're hard kindred spirit. Yeah, it's a very hard headed materialist form of thinking of the world and just kind of reducing everything to atoms and molecules. And but what's behind mm -hmm. that? There's a mind behind that that we can't explain. You know, there's so much mm -hmm. more to this life that we just pff, have no idea about. And like you said, like, yes. how no does psilocybin attaching to the serotonin receptors? How does that explain anything subjectively? It's still good to learn. Nothing. It's still good to Nothing. learn because maybe that can lead us into a, a much greater understanding, but it doesn't say shit. It doesn't mean anything. And but, I think a lot of the times people have these really like long-winded, fancy ways of saying something, but it's at the end of the day, that doesn't help mm -hmm. me right now. <laughs> like if you're, in a, bad, you if you're in a bad trip, if you're in the multiverse, getting access to all these dimensions, like how the fuck does <laughs> molecule, like knowledge of molecules going to help you in that moment? Yeah, exactly right who knows yeah. actually there's nothing you can tell me about neurons interacting that tells me why they know that they're neurons interacting yeah and that's what i like about hermetic philosophy because they believe that everything you know the law of mentalism the first principle how everything has a mind for any for phenomena mm -hmm. to exist on any plane it has to come from a causal realm or something preceding that and we're talking about masculinity and femininity the principle of gender uh interesting way of explaining it is that the the masculine principle is the blueprint of the building whereas the feminine principle is the building see when you mm -hmm. see a building you don't you don't see the blueprint or what the the intention behind that all you see is a physical phenomena and maybe it's similar to molecules or neurons there's something mm -hmm. there's a mind behind that that we can't quite perceive i don't know yeah I mean, once I realized that I was using nothing but intuition to know that you're conscious, I pretty much lost my mind, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> like, I pretty much way? lost my mind the moment I realized that we have correlations between physical... <laughs> <laughs> Um, I lost my mind once I realized that we have all these amazing physical correlations between conscious experience and brain states. You know, if I give you anesthesia, uh, you seem to lose your consciousness and you come back. And yet none of that gets us to why matter is self-knowing in the first place like I, I just can't i'm sure this is something people have hit their head against for centuries probably for a long uh, yeah much longer time we're going to be banging our heads trying to figure this out but it's fun trying man it's fun trying it is just because we don't know it doesn't mean that we can't it's just when people get too dogmatic and too attached to their ideas that's when we mm -hmm. yeah we get into a bit of trouble but that being said, there's all, everyone has their roles. And what I like about the hardcore skeptics is that that stops the mystic from flying too close to the sun. 
You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it keeps us grounded. But if we were too grounded, then we would never move. We'd just stay stagnant for the rest of eternity when it's the dreamers Absolutely. and the mystics who get the, th- get the ball moving. You know what I mean? Like the skeptic be mm-hmm. like, there's no evidence for that. Therefore, I'm just going to stay in my little bubble. And you know, like, I don't know. You've got to try and just try. I don't know. Just try and just explore, man. Try to figure this shit out. Why not? What else I'm sort of of the mind. Well, what am I of the mind of? <laughs> uh, lost my train of thought. I, I knew exactly until I didn't. <laughs> yeah, man, that's pretty much life right there. <laughs> yeah, it sure is. What are your plans Damn. anyway for the for the channel? Like, are you just going to continue? Is your theme of your YouTube channel like psychedelics or is it more like chronicling your human journey and just whatever you feel like talking about? Or are you going to focus more it... on psychedelics? I think I'm going to focus entirely on psychedelics because I'm obsessed with the hypocrisy in our culture where they're not allowed to be implemented in any context whatsoever. And yet Mm. we have many substances I could go on for days about it um, that are allowed for the public. Mm. So I I, I feel almost like I I owe it to whatever this movement might shape into to just use to whatever ability I have a platform to use that for the organization of the reversal of this like this mm. really annoys me tom like <laughs> i don't know i maybe it's just my uh anti-authoritarian personality but it's something i feel like we might be able to change with with communities online with the sufficient organization i think we could probably avoid some of the mistakes of the last the last attempted revolution mm. yeah i think and it's so like, where yeah. am i sorry sorry go on no worries, man. And so where are my channels going? Right now, I'm sort of interested in some of uh, Alexander Shulgin, a legendary psychedelic chemist for anybody who doesn't know. Um, going through some of his books, PCAL and TCAL, and mm-hmm. uh, trying some of the substances that he bioassayed himself. And I kind of want to bring this back to life, um, his spirit and sort of the idea of being adventurous with safe substances. Mm. Um, I, find that, I find that an interesting thing to, uh, to begin to attempt. Yeah, he he created he synthesized two CB. That's the one that I've yeah. always because I'm I don't know why maybe I have a bias just against psych, uh, synthetic psychedelics, but two CB is one mm-hmm. that I actually want to I really want to experience. Yeah, I just uh, got out of my first two CB trip. And how was that? Let's say like I, I know, a I, know I, ago. I hate to ask you to just compare it to another psychedelics, but that's all I have is reference. Oh, I, I so, will, man. I'll compare it. <laughs> uh, how do you compare that to mushrooms and LSD? Man, it was so strange because the come up felt not indistinguishable, but so close to the mushroom nausea light feeling I get. <laughs> Uh, sometimes I get tingly or your stomach has butterflies, just that, ooh, that kind of uncomfortable feeling building up. You're stepping but, into that other world. You just feel yourself. Yeah, man. Like, oh, shit. What am I going to get myself into? <laughs> totally. Yeah. And speaking of like the principle of polarity, it basically went from that, like I'm laying on my bed, um, to a complete reversal to almost this, uh, not an LSD-like headspace, but you know, if you're asking me to compare, it is like that where you're still sort of, there a little bit um mm-hmm. you can kind of you're kind of feeling a bit analytical um but it was very mystical to me i don't know why i had this very powerful uh, spiritual experience with uh trees in my backyard so i think i've primed myself a bit too much for <laughs> for plant interactions because i keep running into these things at every uh, every instance 
Do you know how 2CB is synthesized? Where, well, like, what plant does it originally come from? I believe the mescaline derivative. So Alexander Shulgin was sort of looking at the base structure of mescaline itself, and then he came up with a substituted derivative. So if you look at them, they're pretty pretty dang similar. I believe mm. um, mescaline has a few extra metho- methoxy groups hanging off, maybe just one. Um, yeah. But, actually, but where, where that was that? Happens. But where was, which plant was that mescaline derived from? Do you know, like, was it um, from a specific I'm not sure. cactus or just whatever, or mescaline, just, just mescaline? I think, I think if it's, if it's the molecule mescaline, I don't believe it matters necessarily. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Because it's that's a derivative my, from that. So. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. But some, oh man, some Pedro is really interesting. I think that you'd like that one. It's like really yeah, gentle, man, I'm really... it's heart opening, grounded. You're like, you're just in tune with reality. You're not going to the... Unless you like going to the cosmos, I, I, I'm in a different stage in my life where I like to be on Earth. I like the Earth plane. I like mm-hmm. the human. That's when I freak out is when I start leaving the human and go to realms that I just can't understand. I don't know. Maybe yeah. it's that fear that all humans have of leaving this realm and, and or leaving to a world that we just don't understand. That's what I, yeah. I get afraid of because if I'm going to, let's say, I don't know, an alien planet with all these different entities. I don't know how they, how they work. Are they good? Are they bad? Are they trying to fuck with me? Are they trying to give me knowledge? There's too many, too many question marks. I don't know. And you that, know, that's, that skeptic in me kind of has to always question that. Like, what the fuck? Is this going to, I don't know. So you've, you've had a lot of um, outside this realm type of experiences. I would say that, in my domain, a lot of them have been very, very earthly. Like they were very spiritual, but I, I feel like I've been stuck on this plane or maybe they want me on this plane. I don't know. But mm. even my first magic mushroom trip, which is really funny, just picture this materialist story. So uh, kind of stuffy, like 18 year old who's very, thinks he kind of understands that this molecule is just going to <laughs> give him some strange effects. And so I naively took 10 dried grams of psilocybin cubensis oh, do not do this this no. is not a recommendation um i've never taken a dose this high again <laughs> since then yeah no <laughs> my shit friend. <laughs> my friend yes <laughs> 10 grams that's um, ridiculous yeah go on so it, it basically long story short it catapulted me into a tree melding experience where i'm just being basically coached by gaia for like 7 hours while i lose my identity on this oh. beach that i was at alone oh did, did you were you going through like psychosis or things like that i i mean i would call that diagnosable psychosis the yeah. fact that it was positive doesn't make it not psychosis so okay yeah yeah fair enough yeah yeah and no um the experience was actually not negative for me. The come up was negative because I felt like I had just poisoned myself, but I think it just hit me so hard that I was just shattered into oblivion. Like I became mm. an ape in the woods and I didn't even know my name. I didn't understand the idea of having a car. Um, it yeah, ended with yeah. my ex-girlfriend finding me. I was just covered in dirt. She oh. just found me at where I told her I would be. That's crazy. I, I know how you feel, man, because that just going to that primal instinct part of yourself and you don't you you do you compl- like normal concepts like friend or tom or just normal words just lose all meaning and you're like fuck i've lost my mind yes. i guess i've had a cra- I would give my keys away. yeah I, i've i've had a crazy i uh, had a 7.5 dried psilocybin mushroom experience um <laughs> and i did it in silent darkness by myself my friend in silent darkness so just 
there's one thing being in nature which at least anchors you to some yeah. degree where you can at least want because <laughs> i've tripped balls where at least if i'm in nature it forces me to be present and i can be i can interact with the external world but in silent darkness dude forget about it you're not there anymore dude, you must have gone to mordor <laughs> i did no for real it was actually terrifying that was the last time i had such a big dose and that scared me from mushrooms for about three years and then three years after that experience i had like i ate literally one cubensis mushroom and i was climbing trees in nature and now i have a different approach i don't i don't subscribe to the silent darkness terence mckenna method anymore uh, uh-huh. i think it's still, like listen if you're like I don't know if you're 40 years old and you're like a martial artist expert and you're like fucking really on top of your mental gains, then sure. I'm sure you could handle such a big experience, but for like someone like me, some young kid, no fucking way, man. I think it can be really oh, dangerous. My ego wants to do it. Hold me back from yeah. telling me not to do it. <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> my ego says, do oh it. man, do it. Do it. Do it. Yeah. And these, the species that I had, the ones that grow in Victoria, they're actually they're native to Victoria, Australia, and New Zealand. They're called Psilocybe subarachnosus. No Australian mushrooms. Bro. Don't trust Those it. They're gonna take you out. They're one of the most potent mushrooms in the world, like legit. Some would even say them they have yeah. the potential to be the potent, the most potent mushroom in the world. And it's fucking crazy, man. Uh, no, don't do that. Seven point five. So grand. you were just taken on a ride, huh? Yeah, I went on a. I I went. I even had like a bit of an ayahuasca experience which I found really interesting ever since I've had my ayahuasca experience, my first one, ever since I had following mushroom doses, it kind of opens up this ayahuasca portal where this, I don't know what you want to call it, the spirit of ayahuasca or the shaman world. It's very accessible to me now. So I could have, you know, yeah, um, I could have a tiny mushroom dose and I will feel like I'm on ayahuasca. I don't need much. Yeah. It's, I found it's really weird. And even chemically, they're very similar. And, there was an interesting scientific discovery on mushrooms, that. which found an MAOI in it. So it's got, it's got an MAOI and oh. psilocybin, which is very structurally similar wow. to DMT. Well, psilocin is structurally similar to DMT, but there you go. Yeah. I was just about to try to uh, get that in really quick that, yeah, I'm not surprised actually that um, even though I haven't done ayahuasca, that you can kind of uh, see similarities between these realms because they are so structurally similar. And mm. it's tricky when, you know, if someone's coming from a no chemistry background, it's not reliable enough to see two things that are, are, are look kind of similar. But in, in my, you know, somewhat educated opinion, they are very, very similar molecules. Very. Um, I find very that those two the most similar plants that I've ever had in my life. Like to me, really, having mushrooms is like what I could imagine is like drinking ayahuasca in daytime like that's mm-hmm. I, I don't know sometimes i'm tripping on ayahuasca and i feel like i'm on a high dose of mushrooms let me make it clear though that the similarity is high dose psilocybin not low dose that's a different experience altogether yeah, yeah. This isn't it, it, might, it, it might as well just be a different drug that's what i found really interesting about psilocybin is that once you have those really high doses it's just like oh oh this isn't what i thought it was this is this is something else. I feel like low dose mushrooms is like this cute little girl you find and you follow her into the forest. And then the five grams is like, actually it's attached to this big tentacle monster or some shit. Like it's just yeah, yeah. much scarier than it what was, you thought. It was like innocent children laughing and playing. That's low dose mushrooms yeah, and the exactly. big doses. Like, 
Man, I was uh, a long time ago you. on one or two grams of mushrooms. You know, I'm laughing at Google images of squids for like two to three hours. And, you know, I take 10 grams and I'm melting into a tree, Tom. Like, exactly. This is, this is, like... Different experience. And I had to get my girlfriend to save me as well. Just to be there. What are the... Just crying. Cry my eyes out, man. I, I, I remember actually having my physical body disintegrating into nothingness. And the, the one of the hardest parts, this sounds really horrific and it was... I'm okay now. I learned from it, of course, but at the time it was terrifying. I felt my teeth falling out and I could feel it like physically my teeth breaking apart and cut. And that's like one of my worst nightmares, right? Having that, just that sensation. Yeah, dude. It's, oh, it's fucking uh, really bad, man. And just mine, uh... my ego was just resisting. It was basically like the mushroom trying to take me and my ego was just clawing onto this physical reality with all its might. Like, you know, it's, fingernails like breaking apart across the wall from trying to grab on like that's how it felt like yeah. and I, yeah and i've learned since then actually and you know we're talking about roles everyone has their different roles and what they're supposed to do in this life but i am here to be on earth so i i have gotten told by the psychedelic gods themselves i'm not saying this as a general thing but for me personally you don't need to come here like i mean yeah of course take psychedelics you can gain perspective but you're here to stay in this earth realm and help humans. Like you're not here to just travel to the cosmos. That's for maybe other people yeah. in their, their roles. And maybe that's why I've always struggled with having like really high doses and getting detached from this reality. Maybe, I don't know. That's just, yeah. I'm just talking in the midst, of, in the midst yeah. of my two CV insanity. I, uh, that's weird, Tom. I was just speaking to the psychedelic gods too, the other day. And, uh, <laughs> they did give me this crazy impression that I was, um, this is of course, you know, I'm in basically drug psychosis that I'm a part of the tree, the tree kingdom. Like they were just like, by the way, you're part of the tree kingdom. And we're kind of just kind of prep you here because you're mm. in the earth realm. Like it didn't feel like I was from another planet. It felt like I was associated with this cycle of plant life. And I was mm. like, well, if that's my lot, then, uh, so be it. Ah, oh, it's so interesting, man. Oh, like even, you know, talking about, you're talking about staying in the earth realm and I've gone to like cosmic realms, but only very few times like probably that the high dose of mushrooms which to me was like mm -hmm. it was like an elongated peak dmt experience to me after having that high dose mushroom experience dmt is like nothing that's like child's play compared to this was just, your ego just like putty with that blonde putty blonde? like did you just like completely Tom putty? Just, like I, I wouldn't be able to string like a full sentence together and that would freak me out just like oh my god am i gonna lose my mind forever am i gonna integrate back into reality and then i'll see myself like a mental institution and gone crazy and then my feeling the pain of my mother of losing her son that's lost his mind taking these drugs like you know and you feel yeah. kind of stupid and you have you're just flooded with regret like what the fuck why would i do of course this happened why would i do this to myself just kind of beating myself down but that was like yeah I've learned since then for sure but it was it definitely gave me a bigger appreciation for sanity this human realm and mm -hmm. just, yeah man it's i've I learned a lot from it not Cause, annihilation because i could see how that experience can scar a lot of people but like i said it's better to take the positive out of everything instead of just letting it beat you down so mm -hmm. um yeah I, I guess that was my own little spiritual ego trip and that really made me think about psychedelics and approach them a little bit differently i was too 
gung-ho i'm like yes let's take i want to explore the bigger realms let's see what 7.5 mm-hmm. grams is like or try this psychedelic whereas now i'm like i have too much respect for them to like yeah go there really like i'll, I'll wait for like for example like this mexico trip you know this i like that kind of context like being able to take peyote in the sacred deserts of mexico with a guide or ayahuasca with a master shaman like I know that not everyone resonates with this type of context, but to me, it's like one of the best, if not the best way to take psychedelics. I don't even want to say best because there's a lot of ego yeah. attached to that, but my preferred way where I can feel safe and I can let myself go in these environments without having that survival instinct kicked in. Because imagine like you, you, yeah. took, you took 10 grams in nature. like you. I, every time like, I think about it, I just think about what a bad idea it was. And I, I picture when I was eating them and I wish I could just go back. And not, I mean, actually, I don't. But I would have gone back and be, be screaming at my old self. And what did you learn from that trip? Well, what are the positives that you got from that? I was ground down, Tom. Like, I mean, ground. OK, so I was laying at a beach riverside. And as I'm at the base of this tree, it actually felt like I was my face was like a bully was like shoving my face into the sand. And uh, as that was going, you know, putting my hands into the sand and just fully dissolving. And so as I come out of this, the biggest impression left on me is I'm hitting my chest and I'm saying ape just over and over again. Like I'm what? just walking like you're like, an ape or ape. Yeah, like okay. I'm just nothing but a freak, like an ape. Like I just got reset. Like if you, if a human had that factory reset thing, you hit with the bobby pin. Like that's what hit me. Like that's exactly what it was like. Fuck. Sometimes it feels like that. And even yeah. like even that's why I find it interesting now. Like after changing your approach to these things and actually going into it with respect and caution, and more importantly, in my opinion, anyway, is to space out your trips, really integrate it, because the tripping is like. Agreed. Well, 1% of the whole thing, it's nothing. Not to say it's nothing, but you know what I mean. It's all about the integration. It's 99% yeah. of it, it's integration. What are you going to do with that? It's at least 50-50. Like, it can't be less. It no. can't even be less. And it's probably... Yeah, even now, I think, like, that's, uh, like, with people who teach about psychedelics, to me, I'll, I'd, I would prefer to listen to the guy who's done one psychedelic trip who's actually integrated a big portion of it versus someone who's tripped... A thousand different times, every research chemical known to man, but their life is in shambles and their room's a mess. You know what I mean? Going back yes, to Jordan exactly. Peterson. Exactly. Their room is a mess. Like if your room is, is a mess. Don't want. trip on psychedelics. Yes. That's what I would say it's to my so younger self. It's so true for how we reverse <laughs> the mistakes of the hippie era. Like if we have a bunch of psychonauts who truly believe in integrated responsibility and the, the safe use and responsible use and not regular use of these substances, like mm-hmm, we might just mm-hmm. have a chance at changing people's minds. Exactly. When they see that this guy does have a clean room and this guy is established in his family and he's not in shambles and he's not a guy talking to you about the gods beyond when he's, you know, bordering on joblessness. Exactly. Uh, it, it, we have a, a lot better chance of convincing people. Exactly. It's better than like eating Cheetos, never exercising. Like you're like skinny, exactly. skinny slash or fat. It's like, hey, why know? are you such an asshole then? If you've talked to God so many times, why are you such an asshole? Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> and if exactly, and and I think a lot of people get detached from this reality, and they don't, they see it all as an illusion. And like I said, even if that's the case from an absolute perspective, from a relative perspective, from a subjective experience, which is all we have, really, 
it does matter and how you treat your physical body is so important like i find having a healthy diet more important than having mystical knowledge you know what i mean or having a good relationship with your family or smart like if you're going to buy a coffee give eye contact to the bartender give a smile spread that love that compassion or I don't know, be of use to the world. You know what I mean? Have a purpose. Clean your room. Shit like that. I know I'm like preaching now, but like I, I get really passionate about this stuff. Yeah, when psych- people... psychedelics bring... No, man, psychedelics bring us back to basics and that's usually the most funny part. Like you expect to go talk to Vishnu and all the, the rest <laughs> and you end up just learning that you need to talk to your sister more, you know? Exactly. Like... <laughs> sometimes the human realm is is more important. Again, like we... Sometimes uh, people look too... I don't know, like we, we, we contact like these mystical entities and we think of them as in with infinite knowledge when it's like dude give yourself mm-hmm. credit you're a human being living in this dense reality with so much suffering and hardship and yeah. challenges like hu- the human being is so fucking powerful it's unbelievable where are these where... these spirits are just floating around like you know give yourself yeah, some man. credit I, man. I think that's where the motif of um the voluntary voluntary acceptance of suffering comes in so powerfully for people who use a lot of psychedelics or, or, or could at least. And it's that, yes, you can see reality ultimately as some type of subjective illusion, but if you still decide to voluntarily act as if it matters and as if the stakes are real and suffering is real and you're trying to alleviate it to the best of your ability, then, I mean, it's an ethos and it, and it is a faith, but mm. it's the best bet you probably have. It's mm. my guess. Exactly. Like what, 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 I guess. And it's, it's not just about like what you believe. It's what works, what actually works. Does it have mm-hmm. results? Does it help other people? Mm-hmm. Are, you hurt, are you hurting other people from doing what you're doing? So yeah, yeah. it's just things like, like you can this. astral project, but can you talk to your family? Exactly. Exactly. Fucking right. And sometimes that's the hardest thing. Like I, I look back on my, my own life, like a few years ago, gone really hard into th- this psychedelic journey and I would face my own demons within myself and contact the psychedelic gods but then i'm too afraid to like actually have a heart-to-heart conversation with my dad or like that that's Mm -hmm. like the really hard shit you know like reconciling those i don't know family calm or whatever you want to call it like that's the really hard shit man you know because with psychedelics for example yeah or just when you have a trip yeah it's like as hard as as the experience can be as challenging as it can be even if you're going to psychosis you're getting attacked by demons whatever you want to call it the act from doing that was still just eating mushrooms. Like that, that act of putting mushrooms in your mouth, chewing it and swallowing, that doesn't take skill. Anyone can do that. What comes afterwards and how you handle it, that's a whole different story. But the very act of eating mushrooms is quite easy. Again, it's the everyday shit, the cleaning your room. Not even cleaning your room, but being consistent with it every single fucking day. Like that's... That can be really challenging, but that alone, that one advice has helped me more with my spiritual growth than most things that I've that I've learned. So shout out to mm-hmm. Jordan Peterson. I know he has a yeah. there's a lot of controversy uh, with people's opinions, but I think he's a very important figure that we needed to hear from at this stage, especially with this. Yeah, and I kind of whatever you want to call it, beta masculinity kind of phase that we're in but yeah just yeah people who Our, don't have that sort, of, sort of the glorification of cowardice yeah exactly exactly and i like um, he, i like his perspective on psychedelics and even carl jung he knew this man he said one of the quotes that i always say is um beware of unearned wisdom 
right? Mm-hmm. And psych- uh, Carl Jung was always had trepidation with psychedelics because he already had that experience. He went in a, as far as I remember, I think it was a 10 or 20 year psychosis he was in. That's where he got all his no idea. profound ideas of archetypes and the collective unconscious and all these things. He wrote it in the famous red book. And mm-hmm. yeah, so he went through like a crazy psychosis and talking to archetypes and entities for a very, very long time without the use of psychedelics because he was already there. So then from, I think, based on his experience, he was always like, yeah, just be aware of unearned wisdom because sometimes getting a piece of knowledge can can help you, but in, if you're in a certain stage of life, it can really fuck you up. It's like uh, an example I like to use is, imagine telling a little girl five years old that, did you know that everyone that you know and love, especially you, is going to die one day? Like imagine saying that to like a little and girl. And possibly painfully. Yeah, and painfully, exactly. And even though that's the quote-unquote truth, yes, that's reality. That's what's mm-hmm. going to happen. But Jesus Christ, man, she's a five-year-old girl. Let her fucking... <laughs> Let her live life yeah. a little bit and, you know, build the foundations of her mind before she gets to that knowledge. And I feel like in a lot of ways, the same with psychedelics or just spirituality in, in general. Sometimes you might get hit with something that's too overwhelming that you can't handle it. So then you have to spend a few times, a, a few months or even years. Like myself, I went through a crazy existential crisis just with that knowledge mm-hmm. itself that like everyone's going to die. And yeah, I know that cognitively, but to experientially just feel it yes it's the recognition of time on a psychedelic trip it it, it, the words don't do it justice to understand that this like the grim reality of the suffering of the direction we're going in time you know and the way it affects everyone you love is something we can talk about endlessly and intellectualize but until it's embodied it means nothing no and even then like you the, the fact that we're all connected we like to say that all is one but we really are all one. And sometimes when you connect with that truth, then you start to see everyone like, oh shit, I'm just living your life from a different point of time, different point of consciousness. Mm -hmm. And that can be really heavy just knowing that how much horrific shit there is, you know, like human trafficking, for example. And then you have to think like, fuck, am I living all these people's lives? Am I just going to go through this life again? I don't know. It's just really heavy knowing how horrific some experiences can be and the fact that you are connected to it it's terrifying it or can even be, worse yeah. and have been and have been erased by history like how yeah. much suffering in the void has been shouted out from a cave you know ten thousand years ago exactly we're just getting spat like, out through these vagina portals with amnesia and we just don't remember <laughs> and we're just remembering who we are yeah, man. yeah <laughs> so, pretty much so yeah, it goes back to like cognitively understanding something and really tapping into it experientially. It's something else. That's man. the entire story of psychedelics, right? Like, you, yeah. like even me, you know, thinking of when, whenever we do this uh, retreat thing in the future, um, even thinking of it conceptually is one thing, but I- I'm very aware that once I'm sitting on a mat and you're about to ingest something, oh. it's very, very different. Like, <laughs> Yeah, the fear never really goes away. I don't know. But at the same time, if you go into it with the respect, you clean your body before you go into it. And that's what I find, because some people have different opinions on the, the ayahuasca diet, for example. Do you really need to eat a certain way before ingesting this plant? And I feel like whether that's true or not, I think the very fact of you taking action and abstaining from certain things that you mm-hmm. do on a daily basis, I think that can be very beneficial in and of itself before going into this. Ritual 
ritual you know you know it's like showing respect that i'm i'm going out of my way to uh do this thing i don't know like for like eating healthy for example or staying away from porn or uh no you're right man it's drugs. a ritual it's a ritual exactly i think we've we have lost a gap that for ritual we've uh, Tom, lost that. for example i don't seem to uh, you know out there in my thinking and yet tell me why on a hike i just went on i bottled creek water like you know what i mean there's just certain things about rituals that mm. they fill a void like i know there's no magic in the creek water okay but i still have it in a flask over there because i like to live as if to live in this uh this primitive context where the world still has a majesty to it and mm. a magic and so i i hope that psychedelics can sort of take our increasingly nihilistic and uh secular world and sort of help us develop new personal mythologies and cultural mythologies and mm. just fill that gap of spirituality and um not just through using psychedelics but through thinking about their insights yeah um yeah. i hope they can do that um you hit the nail on the head man like you said it's not just the, the psychedelic use but thinking about their insights like letting that that knowledge marinate in your own life and seeing how you mm -hmm. can apply that and i love it that you you know you bottled creek water that's fucking <laughs> no, because we've lost that so much, man. Like, do you know how many I don't people? Care, man. People would say that's crazy. I love it. Something... I touched an old tree too. Oh, did you? That's yeah, sick. man. There's a old, old. There's a gigantic, probably the progenitor of all these trees that were around. I went up to it. I touched my palm to it, and I gave it intention because why not live in this ritualistic context? It's not hurting anybody. Don't don't become dogmatic and don't you know why not set rules? But I I love this pagan appeal to the beauty mm. of Earth and and the spirit within it. And what happens if we're wrong and everything really does have a spirit? And then you're... Oh, exactly. They're going right? to love me. The trees are going to love me. Because worst case scenario, it's like, me. let's say that you're wrong. You're not really, you're not hurting anyone. It's not making mm. your life any worse. So no biggie if you're wrong. But if the secular world is wrong... <laughs> and they're you're referring really, to Pascal's wager. Yeah, like they, they really could be like... Uh, maybe there is something to it like giving ritual or intention to the nature around you and we're all connected we are nature we, you know we even think of these trees as that's nature and human beings where we must be separate from it but oh but we are not but we are not at all what else i did tom what, what else i did with that creek water yeah, what did you do that, with that creek water i put it out under the moon last night <laughs> did you no reason i don't know what happens when you put creek water under the moon but i was deep in the forest and, uh, you know, I figured, you know, that sounds kind of magical. Why not? <laughs> hey, man, you could be a pioneer in this area. Maybe there is a science to it. So know? selling it for $19.99. Yeah, 19... <laughs> <laughs> With only five payments of five ninety nine. Yeah. Yeah. For all Patreon supporters. Yeah, exactly. But who knows, man? Maybe there is something to that. If there isn't, whatever. If you feel good from it, fuck it. Yeah, man. I've I've Just been allowing myself to be more topic. more I guess quote unquote hippie and more connected with nature. It just feels good. Even like in this quarantine, it's like might as well take advantage and meditate out in the sun. You know, let the elements yeah. hit your face and just really be present with it, versus just sitting <laughs> inside all day. So, nature's powerful, man. Totally, man. But yeah, man. I think that's a good way to end the chat. It's been an absolute pleasure having yeah, you cool. on been really cool uh connecting with you and especially yeah, before great. We, we go on our little mexico venture which for those listening at home uh obviously with this whole you know situation it had to get postponed so if all things go according to plan it will be delayed until july uh, we'll keep you mm -hmm. guys updated but that's going to be a really cool way to connect in person man for sure yeah man 
It's going to be really weird. You're going to love I can't it. Can't wait. And Mexico is yeah. a magical place, man. It's Are you going to take me to the Matrix, Tom? Of course. Thanks, man. I'll show you some things. <laughs> I'll be like Morpheus, <laughs> going through like all these simulated realities. I'm like, oh, yes, and this is yeah. the uh, Aztec uh, pyramid where they sacrificed yeah. a million people. There's a head there. <laughs> like, oh, and this shit. is the soul of your ancestors yeah, waiting yeah. in purgatory. <laughs> Yeah, Mexico is fucking something else, man. And it's actually going to be cool because if we're going in July, uh, August is mushroom season. So we might be able to sneak a little mushroom ceremony. Tom, I might even take some water in Mexico too. I might even take a little bit of Yucatan water, do yeah. something to it. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Man? <laughs> uh, yeah, man. Where can people follow you at home? Like for people listening? Uh, people can follow me. Yeah. People can follow me on my YouTube channel, The Quentin Experiment, my Instagram by the same name. Uh, my Twitter is the, the Quentin EXP. And last but not least, join my Discord, a community of like 9,000 psychonauts just in there having great discussions. I'll That's see you guys sick. in there. Actually, I never plug my Discord ever. So yeah, join my mm. Discord too. Maybe we can merge. Yeah, join Tom. Yeah, yeah. We can Ooh. unify our Discord. Well, be that. That'd be cool, huh? The community is stronger together. Yeah. Actually, would you be keen actually... For those listening at home, I reckon we should do like another Q&A maybe in the next few weeks or something. So if, if anyone has questions for Quentin or myself or both of us, comment below in this video and then maybe we can do like a, a Q&A podcast special because what else do we have to do in these times? We're going to oh, do man. something. Yeah. yeah. We have nothing, Tom. Nothing. We have nothing to do. <laughs> I just turn my computer off, start masturbating. I lied. Like, yeah, <laughs> all day, every day. Oh, we know you're a fraud. You're yeah. like a fat fraud. I yeah. can see it. <laughs> I'm a deceiver. Everything I say are lies, yeah. apparently. Yeah, man. Um, That's funny. Awesome talking to you, and we'll catch you next time. Yeah, I hope that mic didn't sound too terrible. Nah, it sounds. I think we're like a little bit delayed, but yeah. It's yeah, fine. we're definitely delayed. That's why I kept accidentally interrupting you. Couldn't yeah. tell uh, the pauses. But swears, man. Enjoy your... What are you, Quentin Quarantino? Yeah, Quentin Quarantino, my friend. <laughs>